Heyo, your boy's back. It's been a while. It's been about a month. Whole house, whole Springer family had COVID. We were down and out for a while. Uh, just kind of getting our sea legs back last seven to ten days. It's definitely been a ride. We also had um, a stomach bug going around. Got that from the kids at school. Props to them for putting us out with that as well. Um, we all got in different different times, different stages. All impacted us differently. I had a cold for about six or seven days. Uh, wife got it the worst. Um, you know, we're kind of all still still getting back in the swing of things, even though we've all been cleared for a while. Um, like I said, it, it takes a lot out of you. It's, it's no joke. It impacts everybody differently. Um, so, you know, it, it's been a while. I haven't really had the motivation to want to sit down and do this. And, um, you know, once once the kids go to sleep, man, it's just it's time to just sit on the couch and just and just chillax and kind of catch our breath really I mean like literally like it's just been it's kind of just like that so you know if you've gotten COVID you know what it's like you know hopefully it's not impacting anybody too greatly um if you haven't gotten it you know stay away stay safe I know people say what they want about it but stay safe you know um do what you gotta do but I appreciate all the the well wishes text messages calls and everything and uh, anybody who was local dropped off stuff for us while we were quarantined, groceries and shit like that. So much appreciated to, to everybody um, who re- reached out, like I said. So, you know, getting back in the swing of things. Uh, so that's good. Um, you guys know the drill. These are the quick slants. I am your host, Stephen. Go follow me on Twitter. I am at Stephen underscore Springs. Go follow my co-host of the We Got Next podcast, Christian Hayes. Special shout out to Christian. Um, he is at AO Shifty on Twitter. Special shout out to him for holding down the We Got Next podcast for the majority of that last month while I was out. Um, I kept thinking I was going to be able to do it, but, you know, like I said, just trying to catch my breath at night and then go to sleep basically is what I was doing. So uh, big thanks to Christian for holding down for me. Um, you can follow the We Got Next podcast on Twitter, which is at we underscore got next. Of course, go like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Spotify. Um, There is a lot to talk about. First things first, tragic news. I'm sure everyone's heard about it one way or another. Um, Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins uh, was killed when he was hit by a car down in Miami yesterday morning. Um, It came in around 6.30 a.m. around that time. Um, He was on Interstate 595, I believe, down there in South Florida. He was down there training with a bunch of his teammates. I know he was down there with Najee Harris, um, a couple other guys. Uh, Chase Claypool was another guy who was down there. Um, And I don't know the full story. Um, I don't think all the details obviously have been released because the investigation is still ongoing. But um, I did hear a a news clip from down there in Miami or that that type of area, I think it was. I I think it was maybe West Palm Beach or... Uh, along those lines um but someone said they were you know, dri- they were driving their daughter to the airport around 6 30 in the morning when they saw haskins walking on the interstate they said they, they didn't see a car anywhere that maybe he was you know, he, he abandoned maybe going to get gas or something or you know, trying to go get some help or whatever and he was kind of swerving if you will into the right lane he was kind of near an off-ramp and then the, the guy called 911 at 6.30, and then the, the call came in about the accident at 6.38 um, a.m., and they pronounced him dead at the scene. It just absolutely tragic news. Um, you know, me being a Penn State fan, me being a Steelers fan, you know, obviously over the last uh, five, six years, seeing Haskins play at Ohio State 
and then seeing him with the Redskins, and then seeing him come to the Steelers, looking like he might get a chance this year um, you know, with Trubisky coming in, uh, you know, coming in as a backup, backup last year, um, and then this year, you know, with, with Roethlisberger being out, maybe having a chance to, you know, get a lot of playing time and, and all that. It's just, you know, 24 years old, man, just absolutely, absolutely tragic news. And, you know, it, it just, like, you never know, like, you never know what to say in this situation. I mean, obviously, condolences go out to his wife, his family, you know, everybody that knew him, teammates, you know, coaches, whatever, you know, Ohio State people, you know, it, your heart goes out to to this situation and just you know it's just tragic and one of the unfortunate things that came out of it was uh the way uh, espn's adam schefter phrased a tweet which i i believe he deleted and you know gave it another shot um to you know, break the news i guess of, of haskins death um you know his first tweet was kind of you know, kind of bashing Haskins for struggling with the Redskins and hoping to catch on with the Steelers, and just the wording of of his tweet just caught everybody's eye, um, especially you know, current and former players. And they were, I mean, like I said, Schefter deleted the tweet and then kind of put it out again. You know, simplified it extremely, and just yeah, you know, former. Redskins and you see this quarterback when Haskins passed away, you know, something very simple and not kind of what he said. And, you know, um, you can't like, you know, Schefter, I don't think meant anything by it. I don't think he meant to you know, say it in a, in a negative way. I think he was just, you know, putting out his, his own, maybe putting his own spin on things. I don't really know what he was thinking when he tweeted that, but, um, yeah, man, he got he got tore up by everybody on Twitter. Everybody. Um, I mean, like I said, especially former and current players, former teammates of Haskins at Ohio State, the Redskins, the Steelers. You know, everyone was was criticizing um, Schefter, and it kind of took away from the magnitude of the situation. You know, is that you know we lost somebody. You know, at 24 years old. Um, you know, in a terrible, terrible accident. Um, so, like I said, condolences and heart goes out to his family, his wife. Um, you know, you never want to hear that. So, um, somehow moving on from that, um, one of the other big big stories of, of the weekend that, that wrapped up today was the Masters. And anybody who knows me knows I love golf and always have been playing it since I was nine, ten years old. Worked at the Penn State Golf Course for, for three summers. Shout out to the Penn State Golf Course, Joe Hughes, Steve Esky, Brian Short. Shout out to those guys. Um, you know, it just kind of started to pick up the game and, and fall in love with it. Obviously, Tiger Woods became a huge part of that. I think Tiger Woods became a huge part of the reason why we all love golf. Like, if Tiger Woods wasn't a part of golf, I don't know if I would be playing. I don't know if I'd be watching. I think maybe I would as a casual fan, but not as involved, not as, you know, like knowing the game and understanding the game and, you know, what shots to hit and the, knowing the courses and knowing the holes in the course and just like knowing everything I do about golf. Um, this weekend was super, super special to those who who love the game of golf, and um, you know a lot of a lot of my boys love golf. I know a lot of you out there. You know, I was texting you guys during the Masters, and it was great to see Tiger Woods back. And I don't think you know he arrived into at Augusta uh, last Saturday, and he said you know he was going to be a, a game time decision if he was going to play or not. 
and the way he looked in the practice rounds, the way he looked uh, on the range, and from you, what you heard from everybody who saw him, who played with him, Justin Thomas, um, Fred Couples was out was out with him, um, the two of them on, on a practice round, and they said he looked great, the driver looked great. Um, so I don't I don't think the expectations were for him to come in and win. You know, from the beginning, they sure as hell weren't you know, for him to come in and win. But I think you know, seeing him, uh, you know, all the footage that we saw, and it was constant. Um, you maybe thought, okay, if he can, if he can get a couple good holes in there, maybe you know, every now and then, and make 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 a couple good good putts. Um, you know, the 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 conditions weren't typical Augusta April weather. Um, it was cold. It it rained. It, it was damp. Um, you know, today was probably the best day. Obviously, it was 75 and sunny. That's what you want on Master Sunday. You don't want anything, anything but that. But um, to see Tiger go out there, to see him shoot a 71 on Thursday, and be and be minus one, be right there on Thursday. Look, the expectations, at least for me, the expectations didn't change after that. You know, in my head, obviously, I want him to win. Like in in all of our heads, we want him to win. But you kind of have to be realistic about it. He hasn't played in 17 months. You know, he hasn't actually, no, 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 sorry. He hasn't played in you know, 500 in some odd days, but he hasn't like done anything really in, in 17 months since his car accident. He was in the hospital, which the car accident, he almost lost his leg for fuck's sake. He almost lost his life too. I mean, on top of everything, he almost lost his life. Not just his life, but he lost his, almost lost his life. So the, the thought of playing in the Masters 17 months later, wasn't even like you were just wondering is he ever going to walk again let alone swing a golf club and then on top of that play in one of the the hardest courses that that they play on so you know for him to come back you know he's he's come back from a whole laundry list of things injuries off the field drama you name it we've all seen it and for him to come back and play in the masters and look as well as he did at times. And he said he's never going to play a full schedule again, which I don't think anyone anticipated that over the last, you know, five or six years and all the shit he's been through and all the injuries he's been through. I don't think anyone expected that. Um, but he committed to playing in the Open, which is at St. Andrews. He said it's his favorite, favorite course in the world. He's got special memories there. He's won twice there. Um, so that's going to be in July. He's committed to that. Committed to the PGA Championship, not yet, but... You know, he said the, the big events, the major events, you know, he's, he's going to play in, or at least ex- he expects to. Um, you know, the other events, you know, maybe we'll see him there. But, um, you know, don't see him, don't expect to see him at, at, at the Subway Open. You know what I mean? So, um, but just to see him out there, just to see him hit some of those shots, to see him, you know, playing well at times. He missed, you know, he missed a lot of putts that he, like, he, he usually makes and it was it was not like he missed the putts by three or four feet he just missed them by inches and he said it himself he couldn't get a read for the for the greens and when you're not playing for that long and even though he knows augusta like the back of his hand you really can't just you know you can't just jump in there and expect to to, to win or expect to be in the final final pairing or be in one of those top groups on sunday which after Thursday, I mean, those expectations, like I said, they still they still they still weren't for him to win. But the expectations definitely grew after that Thursday round. And you're like, oh shit, Tiger is right there, played well, 
could have played better. Um, he could have played better Thursday, obviously, and Friday. But, like I said, just to see him out there and to see him grip it and rip it and, you know, give us some of those shots that you're like, oh, yeah, that's what we've been seeing for the last 25 fucking years. And it's it's wild that I, I don't know if people forget – at least maybe the casual golf fan, but like the hardcore hardcore golf fans like me, like we all remember what Tiger Woods did from like 97 to 2008, dominated. Like no one, no one dominated a sport for that long like Tiger Woods did. You know what I mean? Like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you, know, you can go LeBron, you can go to the Olympics, you can go Usain Bolt, you can go Michael Phelps. Um, they all, they all have their, they all have their run. We, we, we've all seen that. Um, and there, there's been other, other athletes who have dominated for a, a significant amount of time, but they're like week in and week out. Tiger Woods was that guy for like the, the better part of a decade plus. And he just, I think I heard today during the broadcast that he spent, and I'm probably going to get the number wrong, but it's going to be in the ballpark, like 693 weeks, like weeks, not days, but weeks as a world number one. No one was touching that man. And he was just, he was cruising through some of these wins. And he was making shots that, you know, the announcers would just be like, there's no one else on the planet. And there still might not be anybody else on the planet that can do some of the things that he can do. And, you know, when he got into that zone, and this was like the old Tiger Woods where he didn't smile. You know, when he, you know, the only emotion he showed was when he made, you know, a, a major putt or had one of those incredible shots. But he was a stone cold killer. And when he got locked into that zone, there was not a single person on the tour that could touch him. And it was it was a tiger effect. Like dudes playing with him just melted and just just fell apart because they were playing with Tiger Woods. Now it's like, you know, he's kind of buddy buddy with guys and he's not that Tiger Woods anymore. Again, he can still make some shots that nobody else on the tour can make. But he's not that guy anymore. There's way more golfers way more better golfers, you know, more technology to make them better. Um, you, you know, guys like Sky Scheffler, who won the Masters today, shout out to him. Um, he's on an incredible hot streak to begin the year. Um, you know, he's going to be favored for every single event going forward, probably. World number one, shout out to him. Um, but, you know, the old Tiger Woods was just, like I said, stone cold killer. He got locked into that zone, and from the first tee to the 72nd hole, that man was untouchable, and it was incredible to watch. It still is. I mean, don't don't, don't get me wrong. It, watching him over the last four days, you know, even though it was you know one of the worst versions of Tiger that we've seen, I, I, the expectations, like I said to begin with, expectations were just they they were just not there, and nor nor should they have been. You know, this man has gone through so much. Damn near lost his life. Let you know his leg. You know the rehab. He spent three months in a hospital bed. He said it's just been grinding and grinding and grinding since then. Ice baths after every round. I mean, you could see when he was walking. For for those who don't watch golf or don't watch that often, or maybe have never watched the Masters, which 
I'm guessing that most, if not everybody who's going to listen to this has watched the Masters. That course is hilly as fuck. And they say it's way more hilly in person than it is on TV. And it looks like a fucking ski slope at some points It went on TV. So I can only imagine how it is, you know, how it is in person. And walking 72 holes um, for Tiger, you could tell by you know, him walking up 18, man, that was... That was tough. I mean, he was the only guy that I've seen that was using his driver as a fucking walking stick. But uh, you got to give him, you got to give him credit. You got to give him a ton of props. He grinded it out. He was never going to quit. He was never going to withdraw unless the pain was just that unbearable. And he said he's never going to play in an event, especially the Masters, which you know it, he's got five of them. So it's you know it's not like he he needs it. Um, you know he said he's he's not going to play an event that yeah that he thinks he's not going to win. And you know, someone asked him on on Wednesday, "Do you think you can win?" He said, "I do." I mean, I don't I don't think anyone took that and ran with it like, "Oh, Tiger, you know, Tiger's gonna win the match." Tiger thinks he's gonna win. Of course he does. It's fucking Tiger Woods, like one of the more mentally strong athletes that we have ever seen. Through all the shit that he's been through, off the off the course, all the shit that he's been through. You guys remember 2008? He had a stress fracture and a torn ACL and all that kind of shit. Still won the U.S. Open. Still did what he had to do. You know why? Because he's more mentally strong than just about any athlete that we've ever seen. You know, I was talking to talking to one of my boys today about about the game of golf, and I mean, like, it, it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world. You know, it's not like once you go out there, and if you go out there, and this for anybody who doesn't doesn't play golf or you play it sparingly, um, like if you go out for two or three months and just go to the range and maybe hit a course every now and then, and you just keep swinging and you keep practicing, you can get it down. Now, like. You can't make those shots that they make on, on, on the PGA Tour. Some of those shots are just, those guys know the exact angle, grip, speed, like the right way that they need to take the club back, everything. How open or closed the club face needs to be, where their hands need to be at, and the follow through, where their feet, like everything from head to toe. Those guys, like every, that's one of the only sports outside of like you know tennis and a couple other other sports that you have to be perfect like on damn near every single shot like a couple inches this way that way you're you know you're going you're going far right or far left and you know for Tiger Woods a couple inches this way and that way you know he he makes a couple birdie putts instead of misses them misses a couple par putts you know maybe he makes them so i mean it is it is literally a game of inches and, you know, I play golf sparingly, you know, I rearrange the desk in my office to make, you know, be able to swing in my office and at least get some swings in every now and then and go to the range every couple of weekends uh, during the month. But like, if you give me a handful of months, I'm sure I could probably do, probably do better, but it's one of those sports where like, you got to be committed to it from the start. And I'd love for my son to get involved, but it's so fucking expensive to travel the, the whole damn country and get your kids in tournaments and clubs and lessons and, and everything like that. So... You know, unless unless Mason starts to you know look like a little miniature Charlie Woods out there, um, probably not going to be a sport. Maybe we'll play it together as we go on. But shout out to Tiger Man. Um, that was just it was something to watch. Uh, shout out to my wife too for pretty much watching all day all day yesterday and all day today. Um, I think she she understood how how significant it was to watch this and how important it was for uh, 
everyone that loves golf to, to sit back and, and watch this and enjoy it. Enjoy it while we can. Like, cause you never know what like what what it's gonna hold for Tiger going forward. You never know what the future's gonna be like for Tiger going forward and how often he's gonna play the Masters again and, and everything. So um, you know, it's one of those things where you gotta enjoy it while you can. And I definitely did. I definitely um, enjoyed watching him. You know, I enjoyed watching Roy McIlroy try and make a valiant effort in the end. Shot a fucking 64. You know, the the conditions today were right for that. And he got that 64 in. It was super impressive. Um, you know, shout out to Colin Morikawa as well. Um, played along with Roy on 18. They both hold it in from the sand back-to-back shots. That was pretty imp- impressive as well. Uh, Cameron Smith uh, finished tied for third. He went out with Scotty Scheffler. Um, he, he, there was a, a moment on the front nine, you know, six, seven, eight, where you thought maybe, you know, Scheffler was losing it and Cameron Smith was, was gaining some momentum, but then 12 came on the back nine, the par three, um, he had just birdied 11, uh, going to the, the par three, 12th, plunked around the water. And that was basically it. And he basically had no shot after that. Still shot, um, still shot a 73. He was, he was one over for the day, but still, so it made a valiant effort in the beginning, but kind of just fell apart after that. And Sky Scheffler um, made it interesting at the end. Got a got a double bogey, I believe, on on eighteen. But he was cleared by um, by three shots anyways of Roy. So he would have really had to kind of make that a complete disaster. So, so that's, like I said, Sky Scheffler making making waves in the beginning in the beginning of this year so far. Um, he's won I think four of six or three of six you know, to be to begin the season. World number one got the got the green jacket, and um, you know, uh, like I said, he'll be he'll definitely be favored going forward um, the rest of the way. NBA, um, Lakers. I guess everyone by knows this by now if you've been watching. Lakers have been eliminated from the playoffs, um, or at least the play-in game. Um, I don't really know. You know, the NBA is weird this year. There's a, a, you know the Phoenix Suns, sixty-four wins, clinch number one record in, in the NBA, obviously number one in the West. Um, I don't really know what to make of them because I know that I should probably think that they're going to win the title um, or at least be there in the finals, which they, they probably will. They've been the most consistent team over the last two seasons outside of the Milwaukee Bucks, who obviously won the title last year, um, who currently sit third in the third in the East. Um, they're tied with the Sixers for third in the East. I believe they have the tiebreaker, it looks like, um, head-to-head matchups. Um, but I don't know if I should really, I, I, I don't like the Suns. I don't like them whatsoever. I think they're the corniest team in the league. I don't like Devin Booker. I don't like Chris Paul. I don't like Jake Crowder. I don't like DeAndre Aiden. I like the head coach. I like Monty Williams. I just don't like that team. Um, I think, you know, they, they showed a stat the other day about Chris Paul and every team he's been on, he's made them significantly better record-wise, and he's gotten them, you know, this far in the playoffs, whatever. But it's like no ring yet, you know, no ring. You know, show me something. Like I know you guys made it to the finals last year, but it doesn't matter if you have the, the league's best record. No one gives a fuck unless you win the title. So, you know, shout out to them for having the sixty-four wins. But like, cool. The the Warriors won seventy-three games in twenty sixteen, but they blew a three-one lead in the finals. So, like, that season, sure, it counts, you know, uh, regular season-wise. You won the, you know, most most games in NBA history, but, like, you didn't get a title show for it. So, like, there's a really – it's not that cool or, like, significant. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of teams to look out for. I think the Dallas Mavericks uh, can, can definitely make a run with Luka playing at an MVP level. I think the Brooklyn Nets sitting at the seventh seed right now. Um, you know, they, they might have the um, – 
the the Bucks in the first round, which would be a crazy first round series for the NBA, um, especially after what happened last year in, in their matchup um, in, the, in the conference semifinals. The the Nets were KD's toenail away from going on to the um, conference finals. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but if I had to pick conference finals matchup, I'm gonna go with the Bucks um, just because the experience they've been there. Obviously, the Nets, I think, are – I'm not going to call them a sleeper team because I think a lot, a lot of people picked them at the beginning of the year. Uh, they picked them in the Lakers to meet in the NBA Finals, but at least one of those teams is still holding up the end of their end of the bargain. You, know, you can't sleep on the Nets with Kyrie and, and Durant. They haven't played you know enough together uh, for me to – for me to like definitively say that they are the best team in the East. I think on paper, just having Durant and Kyrie, I, I think shit that makes them like maybe by far the best team in the East if those two get going. But um, if you're holding a gun to my head, I'm gonna say the Bucks out of the East, and I will say, man, that's tough. I'm gonna go with the Mavs in the West. That's really a bold pick, probably one of the worst picks that I've made. But I'm gonna go with the Mavs. I like the way Lucas playing. They are not a complete team whatsoever. I mean, you can easily go with Golden State if Steph Curry's healthy. Grizzlies, the way they've been playing without John Morant, and now he's back. Um, they've been playing great defense, 56 wins on the year. But I'm going with the Mavs. Um, again, anybody who knows me knows I make bold picks. So I'm going with the Bucks and the, and the Mavs. I'll take the Bucks, uh, Bucks and six. And Giannis gets his second straight finals MVP. Um, so there's, there's the NBA. Uh, Joel Embiid, shout to him, won the scoring title. Um, first center to do so since Shaq, first international player to do so, which I thought was very surprising, especially with the likes of Hakeem Olajuwon doing his thing in the mid-90s. Um, so that was kind of surprising, but shout out to him. LeBron only needed to play, I think, one more game to qualify for the scoring title. But with that ankle sprain, Lakers shut him down for the rest of the season. Fine with me because they weren't going to make the play-in game anyways. Time to regroup for the Lake Show and focus on next season, figure out what they're going to do. Obviously, they got to go young, and they got to figure out that shit. All right, turning our attention to Penn State football. Spring practice is in full swing, and there's been a lot of good news, a lot of good things coming out of spring practice, um, some of the open practices that they've had for the media to be there. Uh, again, I did this last year, and especially once once fall camp was, was in full swing, I did this. Um, I don't want to say I got my hopes up, but I wasn't really hearing a lot of negative talk. And I don't know if it's just me not listening to it and not wanting to hear the negative talk and maybe bypassing that in some of the interviews or whatever, but I just wasn't hearing a lot of it. And this year, you know, it's spring practice. I take it with a grain of salt. I put no stock into spring practice whatsoever outside of what some of the freshmen are doing. You know, if those guys can come in and spring practice this early, hit the ground running and get some of those, you know, get some of those good reviews, you know, I, I, I put some stock in that. But everybody else... Like I'm putting in no stock into the fact that Sean Clifford looks good and that he looks more comfortable with with Mike Yersich. I would sure as hell hope he does. Okay. Um, some I had some eyes and ears on the ground at practice a couple weeks ago. Um, and practice was good. This is what they said. Practice was good. Our corners are huge. And this offensive line kid we got from Seattle, um, the 6'4", 330-pound, uh, I believe, Samoan kid, um, said he might be, able, might be able to start right away. He's a guard. I said, oh, will be better than last year? He said, yes. 
I said, I hope Clifford is good or Alar is good enough to start. He said, nope. Bo Prabula looks better than, than Drew Alar. Uh, I said, what about Nick Singleton? Really, really good. I said, can he start? Didn't answer that question. I said, anybody else look good? Parker Washington, I expected that. But for him to say that, that Parker Washington looked good. That's, I think that's significant. That lets you know, okay, Jahan Dotson, potentially a first-round pick, if not second-round pick going into the NFL draft. You know, the season he had, picking Parker Washington, obviously been overshadowed the last two seasons. Heading to his junior year, he's going to be the guy. You know, for him to say that kind of solidifies, okay, yes, he is going to be the guy and expect big things from Parker Washington. And then Zane Durant, the true freshman defensive tackle, um, and he's gotten a lot of good reviews as well from coaches. And not just defense coaches and not just Franklin, but everybody has been saying that Zane Durant has a really good chance to start. And you you don't usually come in as a true freshman at D-line, D-tackle, and start right away. You know, we could have two we could have two potential true freshmen start on the D-line. With Zane Durant, who's already in there, and Deny Dennis Sutton from down here in the Maryland area, who's going to be on campus in about a month or so after he graduates high school, um, can potentially start at D-end. And I expect him to play. I mean, that kind of talent with that kind of ability, that kind of size. And he's only, you know, he's only two weeks behind those guys, really, in terms of practices. Like, and he's been doing his own thing. He's been working out. There's been videos of him working out, um, you know, getting into shape. And, you know, they've been Zooming with him, they said, and kind of just trying to learn the playbook and Manny Diaz, new defense coordinator. Um, you know, they're just trying to get him up to speed as much as possible or all that can do to get him up to speed right now. So that's another kid to look out for. And I think this summer, once those kids get in there and everybody's acclimated or the guys that have been there are acclimated and they can start kind of doing things on their own. And then once fall camp starts to come around in August, um, I ex- definitely expect him to be to be at the top of that depth chart. Um, and I expect a lot out of the true freshmen that are there. Uh, Franklin said that they might have more you know, more freshmen earn playing time this year than and they have in the past. And there's been a lot of guys on defense that have been, you know, been um, – highlighted in these in these practices curtis jacobs um kobe king middle linebacker his his twin brother uh, Kalen king corner looks like he's gonna get the start you know we have uh, mitchell tinsley wide receiver transfer from western kentucky you know, he's coming in he's gonna try and fill some of that that gap left by john dodson along with parker washington you know offensive line is priority number one and there's a gap between what like what the priorities are it's the offensive line and then whatever you want to put whether it's clifford whether it's running backs but like you can't pick any of those guys without starting at the offensive line and there is like there's no way we can be worse on the offensive line than we were last year no way that it like I, i hate the word literally but it's literally impossible for us to be worse than we were last year if we are worse than we were last year, we probably will win two or three games. If that. We, that was bad last year. So, um, offensive line looks like we have a starting vibe. Now, obviously, you know, with, with camp come and go, offensive line, we are thin. Franklin has said that. We are thin. They're looking at the transfer portal for that, for D-line, D-N specifically, you know, um, so we're trying to fill some of the gaps there, but, um, you know, spring practice again, I don't really put a lot of stock into spring practice outside of what some of the true freshmen are looking like. And I have seen some of the footage from practice and, um, Nicholas Singleton, you know, he does look like he, he's, he's ready to go. Like he can contribute right away. And so does K. Tron Allen. They're both big dudes and we got some big running backs and we have a deep, deep running back class. And, you know, if that offensive line is at least halfway decent, and I've said this time and time again, 
I do not need five All-Americans across the board on the on the offensive line. I think I just said defensive line. I meant offensive line. I don't need five All-Americans. I don't need the Wisconsin offensive line that Monty Ball had, and I, I don't need that. I need maybe maybe an All-American honorable mention. You know, maybe all Big Ten would be great. But I just need an offensive line unit that can sustain blocks, move the move the defensive line back, control that line of scrimmage, and control the clock, and keep our offense on the field, and keep our defense off the field, keep them fresh. That's what we need. That's what we need. That is what's going to get us over the hump, and that's what's going to get us to, to beat Ohio State consistently, to beat Michigan, to not worry about blowing an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. Like, if you have an offensive line, that shit doesn't even come, that doesn't even cross your mind whatsoever. You are good. So, you know, Blue White game, a couple weeks away, me and the fam will be there. Looking forward to that. Um, I will definitely be going into the game to see see what's going on, to see what some of these freshmen look like. Um, I, we're not going to know, know much from the Blue White game. We're not going to learn anything from a glorified scrimmage other than, the freshman, and I think that's what most people go in there for. If they're really trying to pay attention, I think that's what most people go in there for. So, um, I probably miss a lot to talk about today, but I at least want to cover you know most of that stuff and kind of get you guys back on track with things. Um, now that you know I'm back in a groove, feeling good, feeling healthy, whatever that means these days in life. Um, the family's feeling healthy, um, back in the swing of things. Next week, we'll be back, regular time on Thursday. Um, like I said to start, those of you who reached out, I appreciate all the support. Family appreciates all the support for you guys checking in and making sure we're all right. We are good. Um, so we will be back next week on Thursday. Um, special episode tonight. will be out. Listen. Tell your friends. Again, you guys know where to, where to follow us on Twitter and Spotify and YouTube and everything. I appreciate the support as always. Glad to be back. Always remember, we are.